From the banks of Dewey Lake, it's the Dewey Pod Monster. Welcome back. My name is John, and this is the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. This is your weekly podcast about consumption and probably some other crap. With me this week, as always, is the host of the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. He's also the authority on Michigan craft beer, and his name is Sean. Sean, how are you doing today? Yeshamesh. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Caught me off guard with that one. I'm I'm good though. I'm trying. So. I'm trying. I gotta try every once in a while. You are succeeding. What have you been up to this week, good sir? Not much. It's a week. It's a week. It is a week. It's a Monday. I need to get we record on Monday. I don't know why I'm telling you, but you know this. I'm pretty sure we've told people that like a billion hey, times right now. audience out there. Maybe like 48 times. We record on a Monday area. and I need that big Garfield poster. Like, I hate Mondays or whatever he says. Does he say is, he doesn't like Mondays? So he doesn't say I hate Mondays though, does he? That's that. No, I think he does say I hate Mondays. That's that song about the lady that shoots at the school because she hates Mondays. Wait, what? <laughs> you don't know the origin of the, like, the, what's that? Who is this? Now I have to look the song up. You know this, I, I don't like Mondays. The song, mm, I I don't think I do. You know it. Not by title, anyway. So the song, I Don't Like Mondays, is by Boomtown Rants. Bob Geldof wrote the song. It's about a, a 16-year-old who shot at a schoolyard full of children in San Diego in 1979. She killed, like, two adults and injured eight kids and a cop. And she, when they asked her why she did it, she says, I don't like Mondays. This livens up today. So Bob Geldof wrote the song based on that she sounds like a real dick yeah kind of i don't like to judge anybody but if you shoot at a schoolyard full of kids playing you're probably a dick i mean it's probably pretty pretty solidified what have you been watching this week what have i been watching this week oh man what haven't i been watching this week that should be the question so i watched a few oh, things i'm sure there's plenty of things you haven't no, been watching. not really I had all... You didn't watch Quirks 3 this week. I don't even know, yeah, but I know true. you didn't watch Quirks okay. 3 this that's week. That's what I did. That's the only thing I didn't watch. I had... The family was out of town this weekend, this past weekend, so I watched a bunch of stuff because... Lots of porn and Fritos. No, actually, lots of stuff with substance, like actual real things. <laughs> uh, I watched... Fritos is a substance. Hatchet-wielding Hitchhiker, which is about Kai. Ooh. The Hatchet-wielding Hitchhiker. Smash, smash, smash. That guy, it's like a... I think it's a... It was on Netflix. It's a documentary basically about how oh, three months yeah, okay. after this thing, within three months, he's in jail for like murder. And then I watched- Tends to happen. Yeah, I mean, it happens. I, then I watched, I was on like a, a hatchet or instrument to cut trees kick. So I watched Law, Law, Long Live Chainsaw, which is another documentary about a guy is a mountain biker and his name is Steve Smith, Stevie Smith. I mean, real- I have a friend named Steve you, Smith. But is he Stevie Smith? Uh, we call him Scuba Steve. Oh, okay. Well, this movie's all about, they have a bunch of footage of this guy. He was starting to really blossom into this, like, World Cup winning downhill mountain biker. He was known for being, like, balls to the wall crazy, his style and everything. It was an interesting thing, but you kind of, it got real, like, almost too heavy at the very end of the movie. You know, it's it's all told and, like, he's, they have footage of him, but he's being interviewed and they don't have anything recent so you know pretty much like at the beginning that he's dead they don't ever say that he died but towards the last i don't know it got really weird it got in this weird territory where i was kind of like i i, I could probably just watch the first hour of this and then 
just cut it off. And then I watched the Hulu, well, I think it's an FX show, but I watched it on Hulu, Fleischman is in Trouble, which is a Michael Sarah, Michael Sarah, Jesse Eisenberg. You're not starting with a strong cast. Yeah, it's Jesse Eisenberg, Claire Danes, and Lizzie Kaplan. He is a liver doctor, recently divorced from Claire Danes, and it kind of goes through, it starts off him more as kind of testing the water on dating apps, and then it gets into his wife leaves his kids with him, and it it's supposed to be just for the weekend, but she's gone for an extended period of time, so then they're trying to find his wife, and then, you know, it's this whole thing. So it's kind of like the evolution of a relationship past divorce, and I don't know, it was kind of heavy, but I was really into it, and I watched it all in like two days. It was a 10-episode thing on Hulu, so of course you're, if you don't have the, the ad-free version of Hulu, you're just inundated constantly with the ad breaks every 12 minutes or whatever which was killing me because we you know we talked about the ads that they would show there's this we talked about the league you know the tv show the league yeah yeah. there's a dating app apparently that's called the league and they just kept showing the same commercial in conjunction with that i guess the ad wasn't very effective because i can't remember what it's called but it's that app that you can like negotiate your car price before you go in I don't know what the hell it's called, but it was like back to back. Is that Priceline? No, it was for cars, used car. Well, maybe new cars too, but it would always be this commercial for the league and then always this commercial for the car thing. It's like, are you guys in cahoots or something? Is there a reason? It's kind of crazy to me because I, I use the ad supported version of Hulu also. And it's kind of nuts to me that they can't find more advertisers to kind of, I mean, I not that I want to watch commercials. But there's nothing that drives you more nuts than watching the same commercial like 12 times in a hour and a half period or something like that. Yeah, I have a Raspberry Pi, which is like it's a an intercepts. Yeah. It it sits between your computer or your network and the out your 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 modem basically and it filters out all the ads. Well, on Fire TV or Roku, they have something set up so it basically just intercepts wow. the DNS and and blocks all the ads. So when I watch it on my computer, Anything that's supposed to have ads is cut out, but anything on Roku or Fire TV or like a se- separate box, it can't. Um. It uses its own DNS, so you can't really filter that out of your network. So I watch it on my Fire TV downstairs, and I was just like, every time, you know, it's, it's like you said, the same commercials for the same like four companies over and over and over again. I remember it's probably about two years ago now. I don't, it was a Thug Rose fight. I don't remember which one. It was right before she won her championship. But we were me and a couple guys. We were all watching this fight, and for whatever reason, the only advertiser they had for this fight was that P three Power Snack thing. <laughs> they kept having this guy in this like monkey suit, like power dance going at like a wedding or something. And, you know, if you're watching a live sporting event, there's just more commercials. It's kind of one of the only things you can't really get away from ads from because it's live and, you know, you can't really block that. Yeah. And I swear, every three minutes we were watching this dipshit, like, power dance to this P3 commercial. And by the end of it, I was like, I will never buy this fucking product just because I've watched this commercial too many damn times in one night. You don't like nuts, fruit, and cheese? I do, but I don't like them in pre-packaged, like, I don't know what chemicals they put in it to sustain it at room temperature forever. I mean, the nuts would probably be fine, but the the cheese would be pretty questionable they to me. They killed their audience because of that fucking jerk. I still watch, so they didn't kill the audience too bad. But well, you're not going to buy their product, that. though. Oh, God, no. No. But I can't think of a single product that I've ever bought that I've seen on, and they have plenty of product placement all over, well, 
take that back. I bought some crypto, so I guess I did buy some of their product placement. Anything else you watch? No. That, what didn't I watch besides Clerk 3? Clerks 3. I bet you didn't watch The Mutilator. No, I didn't watch that either. It's going to be a real tough night. I'm having a problem talking today for some reason. Talking is overrated, but we'll get through Grunts, it. so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I didn't watch a whole ton this week. I watched, again, I've been in my Tubi binge, so I watched The Mutilator, which is just kind of your standard, like, I want to say it's an 80s movie, but late 70s, early 80s slasher movie where it's basically just murder by numbers and whatever sharp-ish looking things that can be found are used to, in this case, mutilate people. Not really a great movie, but not the worst thing that I've watched by, not the worst thing I've watched in this week. I mean, <laughs> the, the topic that we haven't got to yet is way worse. And then I, after that, I kind of stumbled into Sorority House Massacre, which is not as good as, was it, Slumber Party Massacre? Dude with a big drill. Yeah. That is a... Mike Illich's son. Not that... Yeah. Not that good, but not... I mean, again, just typical, stupid, 80s slasher movie type crap. Both of which were fun for what they were, but they're nothing necessarily to write home about. Both of which we'll probably talk about at length at some point, depending on how long this show goes, because gotta talk about something, right? But the real crown jewel that I watched this week, and I was I should set the table for this because I had a few drinks while I was watching this. I might have had a little bit of wacky tobacco while watching this. I stumbled into a video where I was watching a girl get a butterfly tattooed, lasered off her butthole, and that was super entertaining. Was the body of the butterfly where her butthole would be? Yes. Okay. All right. And then the wings were yeah. surrounding. Going from that. Yeah. And Just so we're on the same page. Oh, I'm, I have a, it, you got to paint the picture. I mean, someone painted the butterfly on there. You got to paint the picture, right? But the sound, and this is what I was saying either right when we started or before we started, that if I'm going to find sound to drop into this episode, this is what it should be. The sounds this woman was making as they were lasering this butterfly off her butthole, just, I mean, if you're going to sample something to be the next like lightsaber sound or whatever, this is what it should be. I'm not going to imitate it because I, I just flat out can't, but if I can find that video, I'll send that to you and we can lift some sound off of that to put in here. We could do that. We have the technology. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely the, uh, like you said, the, the quality standard for viewing this week was set and maxed out right in that like four minute video. I think it was on YouTube, which is interesting. I was like, I didn't realize they could show this much bottle on YouTube. Mm. Initially, so we mentioned earlier that we typically record on Monday, which is accurate, but sometimes we record on Friday, which usually means we get trashed and just kind of babble about shit. So I did have a couple things I wanted to bring up before they become so outdated that they're not worth bringing up. These topics might go real quick. They might not. We'll see what happens. So out the gate, do we care about a Night of the Comet remake? I guess it depends on if James Wan is making it or not, or saying he's going to make it. I didn't see his name in the article. Then I'm interested. Let's hear it. (laughs) They're rebooting Night of the Comet. That's all. Comet. Comment. Comment. Whatever. Rock. Sky. That's the only information they have is that there's going to be a uh, remake of it. I haven't seen that movie in so long that I don't really have a ton of memory of it. The only comment is that they're making a new Night of the Comet. I liked it. I remember liking it a lot. It's got the, you know, it's got those mall vibes. It's got the zombie vibes. They're not really, I guess they are really zombies, but they're like space zombies or something from the... Yeah, it's like somewhere between zombies and aliens type. Yeah, and like vampires almost. Yeah. 
I don't remember. It's kind of got I that. Like, I don't remember everything. If I remember right, it's kind of got that Night of the Creeps vibe where it's just a little bit of all over the place. But again, I haven't seen it in a real long time, so I could be very wrong there. Yeah, it feels like, I think you're right. It feels like it's uh, Night of the Comet, or it is Night of the Comet. It feels like it's a little bit of Night of the Creeps, a little bit of Chopping Mall, you know, maybe a little Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead kind of deal. Okay, so we'll add that to the... uh, the board of things to watch whenever the fuck that comes out yeah. probably be two three years from now we could even watch the old one refresh our memories that'd probably be a smart thing to do yeah so so sean cunningham who we've chatted about several times throughout the course of this show he's got a bunch of projects all of a sudden out of the blue separate from the show he's developing a reboot of friday the 13th which i find really interesting that and well he's also rebooting the movie house and I find it really interesting that he's rebooting his own movies. I don't, I can't think of an example of someone who is rebooting their own shit. Sounds like something Michael Bay would do. Off the top of my head, because I'm on the spot, I can't think of, I mean, you could think like George Miller, you know, with Mad Max, he revisits it, uh, but is it, is that a reboot or is that, I thought that was a sequel. Well, no, there's a sequel. So he's doing a straight up remake, yeah. a redo, Sean Cunningham of okay. his. Well, they're calling it a reboot, which, so, in the case of House... It's been forever since the last House movie came out. And they made, like, five of them, but only, like, two or... Either two or three really got, like, released stateside. The other ones went to, like, weird independent videos, video release... Direct video in, like, Australia and, like, a couple other, like, spots, but they never really came here. So, like, a VHS copy of whichever... It's either House 3 or House 4... But I've seen them like run for like eight, nine hundred bucks, which I was like, after watching House two and three, especially, I can't imagine that that movie is worth eight, nine hundred bucks. But okay, you didn't like two? Two's okay. I think one is pushes more into the horror movie element of it. I think House two more pushes more into horror comedy. Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of Meet the Feebles in a lot of ways. Jeez, it's like weird Muppety <laughs> shit. <laughs> With Friday the 13th, though, I actually really like the reboot that they already did, the 2009, I believe. Yeah, I like that, too. Um, I thought that was pretty well done, and I, if, if it were me, I don't know that you could still recast the same guy who played Jason. I can't think of his name right now, but I don't see why you don't just do a straight sequel off of that and just keep going from there. But apparently they're going to reboot again, which... If Sean Cunningham's doing it, it means we're probably going to get Pamela again, as opposed to Jason, but Oh, you think they'll we'll just see. start at the, well, this is all obviously conjecture, we don't know, but you think they just start at the beginning again? Well, he's always said he never liked the conception of Jason as anything past the pop-out-of-the-water scene at the end of the original. So, and again, I have, like I said, no insight. I don't know Sean Cunningham. I don't really want to know Sean Cunningham or anyone involved in this reboot, but I would be a little surprised if he skipped over or just kind of crammed the uh, Pamela part of the story into the prologue and then made a Jason Voorhees movie. That would that would surprise me. So, but I guess we'll see. The other thing he's doing is he has a original film coming out. This might be, well, for most people, not for me because I'm a Friday the 13th chunky, but for a lot of people, this might be the most interesting of the three. He has an original movie coming out called The Night Driver. I don't know There's no real information about it yet, just that he's in the process of rebooting two movies, also starting a original story. How old is this guy? I have no clue. He's like, he's got to be in his 60s. 36. 30? 
I find it hard to, well, it's probably the old one, the first Friday the 13th came out. No. He's probably closer to 70, I would think, at this point. I would think so, too. I mean, I, it, I don't know. I'm like mid-40s, and I can't even, I'm tired getting out of bed sometimes. I don't know about going to take on three multi-year projects that, who knows. That's why we're recording this episode on a Monday instead of Friday, because we were both old and lazy. Tired. So, yeah. I am tired. I don't know. I, like I said, I kind of hope with... Friday the 13th, especially, I kind of hope he hands it off to someone who's a little bit more, has some new ideas, I guess. You know, we, we talked oh, a couple weeks ago about like the fan films that were, that I had watched recently. And I, I, I don't know if anyone watched them, but I put links to all those in the uh, show notes. And we just said that we both kind of like the reboot without going into detail on that. It just seems like going back to the well, if he's just going to modernize the original story, I mean, I'll watch it. I'm not, I'm not going to act like I won't go buy a ticket to see it because I'm dumb. I know I will, <laughs> but I'd rather see something else happen, you know? Keep going back to that well. It never <laughs> That's dries what up. That's there for. Speaking of going to the well that never dries up, Pamela Anderson's pissed off and sad. Cool. <laughs> so I guess she's all pissed off and sad because there's a documentary about her coming out on Netflix at the time of this recording, it's supposed to be on the next few days, maybe next week at the latest, something like that. But she's super upset about the Pam and Tommy documentary that you were mad about, even though you didn't watch it. <laughs> and um, a couple other things that have come up over the years, like Tim the Toolman Taylor showing him his dick, showing her his dick, apparently. <laughs> something like that. Uh? Um, yeah, exactly. On that show, no less. So, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind hearing some feedback on this, but maybe we should rub some salt in that wound and watch Bob, Barb Wire and Bob Wire, Barb Wire and do a episode on that. Yeah, I've never really been all that impressed. I don't know. I'm not impressed, but n I've never been that into Pam Anderson. Pam she just doesn't, I mean, yeah, she's attractive and yeah, she's nice to look at, but I don't really care much beyond that. Like I, I just, not that I don't see the appeal. I'm just, I've never been that interested. You know, back when I was, when she was in her heyday, I guess, I was like still in high school. So, I mean, at that point it was like, oh, boobs and blonde hair. Okay. You know, like it didn't really matter cool. past that. This is the best. Looking back at it now, like, I'm like, yeah, even by like porn star standards, she's kind of trashy looking, you know, <laughs> which is not really anything to write home about, I guess. But, um, Pamela, I do. This is Sean. I didn't say that. If there's anybody you're going to come after, come after John. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it. She's got to be like 70 now too, right? Maybe she's really litigious. I don't know why that. You know, that might. I don't know. That might get us some extra extra downloads if uh, we get sued by Pamela Anderson. Yeah, and that say case. no press is bad press. Anyway, I do remember seeing Barb Wire when it came out. I remember seeing it on VHS and was thoroughly disappointed that it wasn't a straight Playboy movie with guns. It had an attempt at a at some kind of plot, just not a very good one. To be honest, I do think that from what I remember, it probably would kind of fit into the bullshit that we do on this show. Wasn't she at one time attached to the, like a Vampirella movie or something? Sure. I don't remember that. She'd have to dye her hair. Well, I guess she wouldn't have to, but I would think you they would want her to dye her hair if she was doing that. I don't think I've ever seen her with black hair. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could make Vampirella blonde, but it seems out of character. Not that it matters. Well, enough of butterfly butthole tattoos and Pam Anderson. On to the show. This week, we are talking about a, another, I don't know, this is quite bottom of the barrel, but it's definitely circling <laughs> the drain. 
We are talking about a movie that is written by Steven Seagal, starring Steven Seagal, a.k.a. Steven Seagal. It is a 2008 movie that is not on the IMDb ranking out of however many movies. It's the movie Kill Switch. This movie, the very, very brief plot, is about a troubled detective that travels to Memphis in order to track down a pair of serial killers. It's about as Really, that's actually a pretty accurate description, and it's about as much as you get out of the movie, but here we go. We're going to talk about this movie, I think. I guess. I think it's amazing that, the, you know, we, we look every week when we talk about a movie, and we read either the plot or the storyline every time, right? And they're almost always different. Yeah. This time, it's the exact same one-sentence, like, description, one-sentence description of this movie, <laughs> and it is the perfect... One sentence description. You know, sometimes we're like, yeah, that doesn't make, maybe they could tweak it. Maybe, okay. I don't know how much it is about that. This is the perfect synopsis for this movie because, I mean, there is so much batshit stuff that goes on in this movie that you almost can't talk about anything else. We say that Steven Seagal is a writer on this movie. This is probably all he wrote of the movie. A troubled detective travels to Memphis in order to track down a pair of serial killers. That's probably all he wrote on the paper and gave it to somebody and said, script. Well, they probably copied it, you know, ran through the copy machine, like, how long's the script? A hundred pages? So they probably ran through the copy machine like a hundred times and said, here's your script. (laughs) Imagine showing up to work. Hey, I'm in this new movie. Steven Seagal wrote it. Here's your script. A troubled detective travels to Memphis in order to track down a pair of serial serial killers. Okay, page two. A troubled detective. <laughs> God damn it, Seagal! <laughs> I mean, I don't even know where to start. I guess we should start with the boob bomb on this, because where do we really want to start here? Is that, the, I mean, that's where the movie starts. Is that where we should start? I didn't, I didn't call it a boob bomb, but that is apt. I more go along the lines of a heart bomb. Well, I mean, the way they shoot it, it's more like on camera, it's more of a boob bomb. It is like a crummy clock radio screen wired into this woman's chest and she doesn't know, like, there's no, doesn't know anything about it. And the next scene is just Steven Seagal, like, chase, I don't know if he's actually chasing the person that they think is responsible and beating the shit out of him. He doesn't chase him. They show him go up to this woman who's... I don't remember why she's not moving. She's on the ground with this thing wired to her chest, and she's just laying there through this whole ordeal uh, that we're about to talk about. Help. And I I have no idea what the hell this accent is that he's supposed to have in this movie. Is it is it Cajun? It's not Memphis, I don't think. Is it... I, I have no idea what it is, but he's got this weird fucking accent through this whole movie, which, to his credit, he manages to keep up this derelict through this entire... Like, what is this, an hour and a half movie? Two-hour movie? No, it's about an hour and a half. Hour 36 yeah. minutes. So he, he keeps it up for this whole hour and a half movie. Here's how it is, man, with the police. We come in here, we ask questions, we canvas areas. We politely do our job, you know. Now, I got some questions about Jessica Tremble. Either I'm going to arrest you and take you downtown, or you're going to talk to me now. He basically looks up and says something like, I can't do this accent because I don't <laughs> even know what it is, but it's like, Hey, he must be up there, man. He looks at this. So I basically turned him into Steven Seagal Cheech. Hey, man. <laughs> Go look at that hey, window. Man, he must... Hey, and he's in one of these apartment buildings, man. <laughs> so he lo- he like points at this random apartment that happens to be across the street from this park, I guess, or sidewalk where this woman's laying. 
and just proceeds to go upstairs and beat the ever-living shit out of this first serial killer. But the way they shoot it, and this is a, a running theme throughout the movie, is, you know, it'd be funny if they did it once and then the rest of the movie wasn't like this, but the fact that it's a running theme, I don't know if that makes it better or worse. They literally have him, like, walk through a door and say, for example, to add intensity or something like that, because that, I think that's what they're going for. They take that, like, second of him walking through a door, maybe with his gun drawn, maybe looking like he just finished a donut, maybe just kind of standing there blankly, and they replay it, like, 12 times, just back to back. Just you see the door swing and him, like, kind of lurch through it. And then that means it's time to fight, apparently. And the thing is, he goes into this apartment. He doesn't knock. I mean, he doesn't have a key. He just, it's unlocked. He goes in and supposedly sneaks in without the guy realizing that he's there. The guy can see the whole scene. And what it is, he's like killed this old lady or something and and camped out in her apartment. But yeah, Seagal walks in. He, uh, one of the first notes I wrote what is this affectation that Seagal uses? Like you said, it sounds like he's supposed to be from New Orleans or something. Yeah, that's the closest I could pin it, but it's, I don't think it's that. How long did it take you to realize that this movie was taking place in Memphis? I had to look it up. It was, for me, it was like an hour in, and I'm like, what city are they yeah. supposed to be in? He says something about NPD, but I couldn't understand the M part. I looked it up shortly after this opening scene because i was like what the fuck is this act like where is this movie supposed to be so when i I pulled it up i was like memphis all right here we go that was my first clue that this might not be the uh oscar caliber movie that you know you come accustomed to with uh steven seagal yeah so this fight again he's fighting one of the two serial killers i i didn't even realize that's who he's fighting as one of these serial killers i just thought he was fighting some dirt yeah some random random dirt bag yeah to differentiate these two serial killers because there's really no good way to, to like, I, I don't remember their names. They're both listed in this cast list. I don't really care. There's there's two of them. This one, he, to me, for some reason, kind of looked like the T-1000, but white trash as hell. So I'm calling him the WT-1000. I think he's, I think his name is Billy Joe or something like that. And the other guy is Lazarus. Yeah. And he kind of looks like Joe Exotic, but in like a sumo wrestler diaper thing, but skinny. I would say he looks like a a little bit beefier David Spade. So Joe Exotic and Joe Dirt had a baby? Yeah, something like that. Okay. So we haven't gotten to Joe Exotic, Joe Dirt, but so White Trash, or WT-1000 and Steven Seagal, they have this really stupid fight where I'm watching this too, I'm like, is he like, the way that he's throwing this guy around a room and the way that they're like recutting it, and basically as Steven Seagal moves in this movie, one of two things happens. Either they replay it like 30 times back to back so it looks like he's doing something in like a really overpowered way, or a stuntman comes in who is like in dramatically better shape, sometimes with different color hair than Steven Seagal, and does any actual physical movements that Steven Seagal might or might not have to do. So we're watching this for, it's really only like a two-minute scene, but it feels like 10 minutes somehow of him just like throwing WT-1000 around this apartment room, which leads to him, he basically puts him at gunpoint and essentially just asks him, like, how do I defuse this bomb? Well, he has him in a chokehold. Tell yeah, me how to defuse the just bomb. Him. And then he smashes him around the room. The thing with this, all the action hey, man, scenes... how do I turn the bomb off, man? Hey, tell me what wire I need to cut, brother. Every... 
Every action scene is if you don't see Steven Seagal's face, you you only see his back or his side where his face is obscured. Every time it's not his face, it's just somebody else's back with a wig that almost looks as bad as Seagal's like overly hairsprayed hair. It looks so crunchy. His hair just looks so. I think it's more axle grease at this point than I think it's that stuff that you that powder that you pour on your bald spot to make it look like you don't have a bald spot, <laughs> but it's like matted in like the Ron Popeil hair in a can stuff. And I think it's just yeah, super sprayed. It's bad. Yeah. It's his hair just looks so crunchy and they go back and forth and he, Hey, Bretta, give me the code. Give me, give me the wire. Which one do I cut Bretta? And he finally gives them the answer. And the, the highlight of the, the thing is the Billy Joe WT 1000 runs at Seagal you don't see Seagal do this because all you see is this shot that looks like it was shot in a different room of someone's leg lifting up and WT-1000 flies out the window in this scene that takes about 17 seconds. It looks like he jumps out the window, but he does. I think we're I think we're led to believe that Seagal throws him out or the window. Or he kicks him so hard. Based off how this, or something like that. But it looks like he jumps out the window. I counted how many cuts. There are 13 cuts. And replays of the same scene of this guy flying out the window. That is the most efficient use of time. I have the best stretching out of a scene I have ever seen. They just filmed it with like 10 different cameras. And the guy just flies out the window doing this twist. This thing, it's on YouTube. We'll link it in the show notes, the video of this clip. It's one of the most ridiculous. This is what sold me on watching this movie. Is this? It's also what sold me on watching this movie. This scene, we didn't even get to hear him talk. And then the we guy hits the pavement, and his 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 uh, his partner gives him that look like the '80s TV dad when the kid does something funny, like something out of the ordinary, but kind of disappointing. Just shakes his head with a little grin on his face, like. <laughs> but they do the '80s or like '80s cop show cutaways where they're like, bam, 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 and they have like the bad blues music playing as they like fade to the next scene. That's another thing that's kind of funny that they splice in quite often. It's like when they don't know how to move from one scene to the other, it's like, hey, man, just pull the TV cop show song. That will work, man. Good enough. I'm Steven Seagal, a.k.a. Steven Seagal. I had to look. I watched this all this movie all the way to the end credits, like all the way through, to see if any of the music was credited, like being performed by Steven Seagal, because I was so... It just sounds like <laughs> it just sounds like the guitar noodling <laughs> blues bullshit that he's been doing for thirty years. But none you of them were. That as I had a mouthful of beverage and it almost came out the wrong way. None of them. None of the songs were Steven Seagal credited as Steven Seagal. So I was really surprised about that. Does he have a stage name like Seagal Steven or something? I think it's Steven Seagal. No AKA, one will know it's me. I'm Seagal Steven. Hey, brother, let me pick up that guitar. <laughs> Somehow his accent has turned to a mix of Cheech and Chong and like a half-assed Hulk Hogan. <laughs> it's like a, I don't know, a, a Hawaiian guy or something. Something. Hey, Bretta. <laughs> anyway, they say boob bomb girl, that, you know, WT-1000. It, I thought he was dead. Yes. Like, I thought if you jump out a window 13 times that uh, you're, you're pretty much done, but... Apparently, he just goes to jail. Um, <laughs> you go to jail. Go directly to jail. You do not go to a hospital. <laughs> so he's he's gone for 15, 20 minutes of, of movie time. I don't remember if at this point, like, basically, 
At some point, Chef shows up in this movie. At some point around here, Chef Isaac Hayes is playing the coroner in the morgue, and this morgue is all about showing you boob shots. Like, dead body boobs is what this morgue is 100% written for. And again, knowing Steven Seagal wrote this, I'm sure it was like, hey, man, it's like, I know they're dead bodies, man, but we got to show some boobs or some nibbles or something. This can't, can't be too much of a bummer. Hey, brother. Above the door, put dead body boobs. We got to have a sign <laughs> that it literally says that. But we're skipping one part. He goes back to his apartment and the, the his girlfriend or the woman's there. And Seagal acts so disinterested like he is. And he's she tries to give him a kiss. She's really cute. She too. is. And he acts like and she's like, like 30 years younger than he is. And he acts like he's never kissed a woman. Like she tries to give him a kiss and he's just kind of like pulling his head back. Ugh. She's not quite naked, but she might as well be naked with what she's wearing. Yeah, like silk, uh, walking silk around this robe and see-through nighty yeah, thing, underwear yeah. and a bra or whatever. He goes, "Hey, I can't kiss you now. I gotta work, man. I'm working on putting together a star chart, brother. Gotta figure out the <laughs> cipher for this serial killer's puzzle box that he put together." And you look at it, and it's like some it's like zodiac signs. rock star, devil, horn, metal band. It's like what he wrote down. Some random shit like that. When they sh- Later in the movie, when they show him working on this cipher, it just looks like, it looks like you're, I don't know, two elementary school kids playing hangman or something. So we're going to bounce around a little bit because now that we, you said that, I, my favorite part about the cipher that he works on is when the librarian's like, oh yeah, that's a shitty metal band lyric. And he's just like, what? It's a shitty metal band lyric. They play down at shithole bar, big drunky metal band bar. And he's like, you want to tell me where that bar is, man? I'm going to go down there and I'm going to go shoot some people. <laughs> We're just going to be laughing this whole time at each other's uh, imp- <laughs> the things that Steven Seagal, a.k.a. Steven Seagal, says in this movie. This movie, there. oh, he goes, so he goes into this jazz club or this blues club or whatever, and he's trying to get information about something. I guess this Lazarus, the Joe Dirt, Joe Exotic crossover, he's been... Joe Exotic Dirt? Joe, Joe, Dirt, Joe, Joe Exotic Dirt, he has been, <laughs> I guess there's this reign of terror that he's been kind of holding over the city. And so Seagal goes to this club to try and get some, try and get some clues, brother. And he goes in and he talks and they beats up some guys <laughs> that just talk to him and he beats them up. Then he goes outside of the bar and one of the waitresses. Is this the one he goes into in the daytime? Yes. The waitress comes out and she starts telling him what he wants to hear. And this gunfight breaks out of these one of the guys he beats up and two random guys walking down the street and he's on two fronts, like on a corner, shooting guys one side, shooting guys on the other. And he has the, the God code. There's like unlimited ammo. So I, I was going to say, you counted how many times um, WT-1000 jumped out the window. I started counting shots and this is might be the most research that I've ever done for this show because once he got to 19 shots in the first clip, I so I have a friend who's into guns, like that's... It's just something he's into. I was like, hey, let me ask you a question. I don't know what gun Steven Skull is using in this stupid movie, but I'm assuming it's some kind of like standard issue cop gun, you know, not six shooter revolver thing. I was like, on average, like what, what does a clip hold for that kind of gun? I was expecting him to say like 12 to 15, something like that. He said 16 with one in the chamber. So at most 17, I'm like, Okay, so it's still bullshit, but not as much bullshit as I thought it was going to be. I don't know how you counted that many, because the way that the oh, action, I had to watch it like four times. The cuts, oh, okay, the cuts, it's <laughs> frantic back and forth, everybody's shooting, they're just like, 
Seagal holds the gun like, I don't know, like he's holding a candy cane or something just like out of the reach of a dog that's trying to jump up and bite it. He's just, he's got it above eye level. He just kind of points the end of it down. He doesn't really aim down that nobody aims down the sight, but he specifically this. Okay. This is what I wrote. He's also throwing this little blonde chick bartender around, not quite using her as a human shield, but not quite concerned about her safety either, which cops are usually supposed to be. This is what I wrote about how he holds this gun, the way the stance that he takes in every scene that he holds a gun. One of his hands is on his stomach. He indiscriminately shoots, shoots around corners. He holds the gun. I wrote, this is what I wrote, holds the gun the way a woman that's not happy about giving a blowjob holds a dick. He's just like, <laughs> he's holding, he's like, nip, nip. it just crookedly pointing it around the corner and then following it. I mean, you know, I've seen like John Wick. I've seen. It's a little two finger stroke job is what you're saying. <laughs> I've seen, you know, Keanu Reeves do these shooting things where he practices and they do kind of hold the gun. They hold it down when they come around the corner or whatever, or they might hold it up. But he exaggerates this. It's like, again, he's never kissed a woman or he's never been around a woman. And he's never hold like held a gun. He just holds it so awkwardly. It just it looks weird. The weird thing about that is this is not Steven Gull's first movie where he's had to use a gun. Say what you want about him now, but there was a point in time where Steven Gull was one of the bigger action stars. Yeah, for sure. And I'm pretty sure when it, it like movie 101 is if you're going to have you know muscle bound karate Cajun cop guy be like. Hey, I'm going to go shoot these people, man. If he's going to go do that, at some point you're going to come across a director that's like, how about you look like you're holding a gun instead of two-fingering a dick? Maybe. Give up the kendo stick and take up a gun. We're going to need you to do that. But 22 minutes into this movie, I still had, I didn't know know what the actual story of the movie was. That's when it really starts to take, take hold. But everything... We said it's an hour and 36 minutes. The 22 minutes, yep. every, the first 22 minutes are just building this legend that is Jacob, which is Steven Seagal's character. His brother, his twin brother was murdered. So they show all these flashbacks and they keep showing it throughout the movie, but it really doesn't have anything to do with anything besides trying to show that Seagal is like this God tier detective that, you know, he wants to find the serial killer because his brother was killed. But they also have moments where they try to humanize him like when his partner shows up and he's like i'm trying to stop drinking he's like how about you have a drink and he pours him like like a full like seven fingers of jack brand bourbon jack and the partner that's his partner and the partner tell like basically implies that he's a recovering alcoholic yeah well he implies that he's trying to i think he implies he's trying to quit but he's he's saying i don't i'm trying not to drink one way or another Hey, just drink some jack bretta he kind of looks like keenan thompson with like a jerry curl but not quite. I don't know if I, that was just me. He just looks, he looks ridiculous. I can't take his partner as being the tough in any thing ever. Oh God, no. No, especially not with what happens towards the tail end of this movie. But, you know, it, I mean, the basic way to say this, this is a, in the world of Steven Seagal's stupid ass characters, including the real life Steven Seagal that's been on reality shows as also a stupid ass character. This is one of the... It's either the most well thought out and most genius Steven Seagal character or, again, bottom of the barrel. It, it can't be in the middle. It's got to be one or one or both. Maybe we're just so dense that his 
Cajun Memphis accent is just lost on he us. He just has bad interactions with everyone. At first, I was kind of thinking, like, he's a cop. Everybody's surly towards him or whatever, that they have bad attitudes. But in reality, when you really start to look at how he acts, they have this other, this federal agent that comes in that's never seen a crime scene. Or I don't know if she's, she's trying to investigate, or not investigate, but observe him to see how he's this mastermind, how he's cracked all these cases before. I thought she was just there because there's a serial killer. Yeah, but that she's also the there to I see got. how he works, like to whatever. Oh. But he's just a dick. He's an asshole to everybody. It's not that they're yeah. like because they're criminals or whatever. He just goes into places and randomly beats people up or starts fights or, you know, shoots people. Shoots innocent people when he might or might not be involved. When there's a when he first encounters Lazarus or when he, you know, finally catches up to him the first time they actually see face to face. There's like a shootout, and like you said, a random person gets killed, Lazarus escapes, steals a car, like, they chases him down, and Lazarus <laughs> professes how he's like the ultimate enemy. He escapes, steals a car in a crowded street full of, like, you know, disgruntled goth kids or whatever the fuck's going on there, and Steven Seagal looks at him and goes, I'm gonna shoot this car anyway, man. Shoots the car with a pistol manages to explode the car, kills some other rando dude, and lights a building on fire in the process. And Joe Exotic Dirt just gets out like, well, time to run. The car takes off. It's like a G.I. Joe. It's like a G.I. Joe show yeah. where the, the vehicle explodes and, and you think the person's dead, but like as the explosion happens, they just jump out at the last second. That's exactly what happens. And the guy drives down the crowded street and Seagal's just shooting with people standing all Randomly. around. Yeah. Like, oh, hold this cop protocol. penis gun. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if you watch the news, maybe it's not that unbelievable. But, well, that's true. Yeah. It's funny, too, because, you know, we already mentioned, like, he f he finds this club based off this rando chick at the library that at first is like, get the fuck out of here, Seagal. Like, who the fuck do you think you are, Steven Seagal? Get out of here, jerk. No way, Bretta. And then, doesn't she turn into, like, a victim of the Joe Exotic Dirt 2 or something she like that? She turns into a victim crapper? of WT-1000. Oh, is it that one? Yeah. Okay. M my bad. I'm sorry. I confused my two terrible serial killers. He gets led to this bar because, like you said, this chick is just like, yeah, you're a jerk. And then she, she wants him to leave. So he's like, go to the death metal bar and just happens to have the serial killer there, which leads to all this carnage. And then after all that initial carnage happens, we're led to the least intense chasing that I, I don't even know the last time I saw chasing this shitty where... We mentioned the cutscenes where Seagal is kind of just moving through a doorway or looking around a corner. And, and in the first scene, you saw him just, they do in that bar fight too, where he makes one movement and they just clip it like several times to make it seem like it's some kind of intense scene. This Joe Exotic Dirt guy could have just walked briskly and gotten away from Seagal if this was like an actual real-time type of chase because he spends half the time just peering around corners like, what's over there, man? Better fire some bullets randomly. See what happens. Oh, there's a pole there. Better shoot it. Just like how when he lifts his leg, they show somebody else's foot kick the guy out the window. They do a thing, and I've never seen this done before, where Lazarus or Joe Exotic, Dirt Exotic, Joe Exotic Dirt, is running down this, through the sewer, and rather than show Seagal actually move quickly, besides just walking around corners, they do a close-up of his face, and the background is blurry, like motion blur, but he's 
he's not moving. It, they only show for a split second. It's very Photoshop. Yeah, they only do it for a split second to give you the impression that he's running as well, but he's not. It's like the only time he moves with yeah. any kind of, I don't know, any kind of athleticism whatsoever. I mean, he's not, at this point, 2008, he's not that old. I mean, he's not a young guy, but he should be able to do something and... How much the stand is there? He should be able to do movie chase. He might not be able to do like a real life, like go, because he is a real or was a real cop. He might not be able to really go like swim around the sewers of the bayou and chase some like actual serial killer, but you could fake it in a movie. He should be able to move. Indiana Jones can still have, or if Harrison Ford can still make an Indiana Jones at like 403 or however old he is, surely you can have Steven Seagal like waddle through a sewer and then make it look a little bit better than what this turned out. Yeah, he just shows no no athleticism. This movie has next to no real story. I mean, it, it, I don't know. We mentioned notes on this. Like, there's a couple other story plot points I'll kind of want to tackle, but when I was taking notes on this movie, half of my notes start with the words, what the fuck? We've covered the camera work, which is one of my what the fuck points. We covered this accent ad nauseum. Have you noticed that... The audio in this movie is super fucked up, too. You'd have some... The, the bar scene you talked about is a good example of this, but there's a lot of background noise. It's like they didn't mic Seagal, but they might put a mic on the blues guitar playing in the bar or something like that. So Seagal's like sitting here like, Hey, I'm over here talking about some stuff with some serial killer batters. What's going on? Go, go shoot this guy. That's kind of what happens with this stupid movie. There was a point... Where I was really looking to see if I could find a subtitle track. And I had to rewind it a couple times to actually hear what, specifically what Seagal was saying. Not that it made any difference. I was going to say, I probably could have benefited from that, but I don't think I would have benefited from that. Having gotten through this movie, we we talk, we didn't really talk about this movie this when I saw you over the past couple of days because I didn't think we'd be able to carry it into a full episode if we did. I think I said, I watched this movie and I don't feel like I know what the fuck happened in this movie, but I don't feel like going back and watching it a second time is really going to rectify that. And I honestly don't feel like even continuing to talk much about the plot is going to make any difference. So the one plot point I want to bring up still, and I don't care that it's going to spoil the end of the movie, but I feel like it's necessary to bring it up. How do you feel about the, after Joe, Joe Dirt Exotic and... WT-1000 are dead or in jail or whatever they cut away from with that. The other chick, the initial chick that Steven Seagal is not hooking up with, he's like, oh, I can't do, I, I'm married to my job, man. She's disappeared. I, I don't really know what happened with that. And then we see Seagal go into this like well, she's murdered. farmhouse. Oh, she, she murdered? she's murdered in Seagal's apartment by WT-1000. How did I miss that? I don't know. Clearly, I was... Paying too much I mean, there's so much going movie. on that was so good about this movie. How do you feel about him having this other like secret random family with like a blonde supermodel 20 year old wife at the end for no fucking reason? Like where the fuck did this come from? I actually forgot totally about the ending until you just brought that up. And it's not like this is going to spoil <laughs> anything because th- it's so this movie so bad shit crazy that it doesn't make any, it doesn't matter. But I, yeah, it was just another weird thing. And maybe now looking back on it, that's the reason he wouldn't kiss this other person, this other girlfriend, I guess, or whatever, who's a cop. Why is she there? Though? I have like, why yeah. even have, just to add a body count, I guess? But it's not, the, it's not a, okay, so you hear serial killer movie, you think like, oh, you got to have 
X amount of people dead to make it interesting. It's not that kind of serial killer movie. It's very much so like you're, I know this is a 2008 movie, but this feels like an, a late nineties, like cop chasing the bad guy around and a bunch of stupid shit happens. And then at the end, the cop wins type of movie. We say it's a serial killer movie, but most of the people who die on screen are killed by Seagal. Like he, yeah, he's the actual so serial killer and all the serial killers do all their killing off screen. And then at the end, when the Lazarus is taken care of, WT-1000 is taken care of, Seagal's partner goes to the apartment and finds the girlfriend dead, but Seagal just is never seen again. And he leaves a note for the partner. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he says like, right. hey, you know, nice working with you. I won't be around. Peace. Yeah. Deuces. And then, yeah, then they show, it's like this Italian villa or something where he shows up yep. after after that. And like you said, his wife blonde wife who the only time they show any nudity other than the the corpse boobs is his wife for just a split second and he's i was really surprised that they actually had a shot where seagal is actually with this woman rather than the stunt double like the stand-in because everything else you see seagal's yeah, well, face the woman's right with him i mean i wonder why right yeah true i mean she was gorgeous but oh she's i swear if she's maybe 22 23 she's not age appropriate for Seagal or for that matter, the two or three kids that he has in this house at this point. Yeah, I don't think that it's like they're even close in age, but I don't think she's quite that young. But yeah, she's she's a lot younger than Seagal is. Like if we're saying that Seagal's in his early 60s in this movie, maybe late 50s, I'm not really quite sure how old he is. I'd say he's probably early 60s. She's got to be in her early 30s. Like she's not that old, especially yeah. for him. I mean, she well, for him, she's very young, but... Yeah, it's just a really like mind-bogglingly so like, bad shit. Why crazy. did you add this? Exactly. Like, what what does this what does add this do? to this story? The only other similar mindset, and I guess I kind of try to explain it, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't add this in, considering your history with this subject. S- cannibal clown guy. Well, it's just a story to throw the lady off. Was it? Yeah, I thought that it's a joke. I, she's like so wrapped up. So there's a story that his partner, Seagal's partner, tells the Fed lady about when they were doing this this case where they they there was a cannibal that was on the loose and they cornered him. And I can't remember the punchline of the joke to save my life because it was I didn't even laugh. Like I don't I didn't really I didn't think it was a joke. So I thought he was just well. Home. She was saying that she didn't see it in the case. She's like he asked her, if, "Do you?" Did you read the case file on so-and-so? And she was like, no, I didn't see that. I studied all his case files. I didn't see that profile or whatever. And then he tells the story about the clown, about the guy eating the clown. And what does he say? Does this taste funny to you? That was the, the punchline. The cannibals eating the clown. watching it. So I remember two things. I was watching. I'm like, oh, Sean's going to fucking hate this scene or love this scene because he killed a clown. One of the two. But. The other thing I thought was he doesn't say anything. Seagal doesn't say anything in this scene, but he's looking at him like, that guy is eating that fucking clown, man. Did you save some <laughs> for me, brother? Right. Hey, brother, you <laughs> saved some of that clown for me. Does this taste funny to you? Hey, man, does that taste funny down there? Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what you would expect out of that. Yeah, but you're right. I, there's really no point in kind of bouncing around too much on this. I We... I don't even know that we've covered it, but you should have a pretty good idea what kind of shit show you're in show yeah. for with this movie. Yeah. Do you want to kick off the hot hot dog scale this week? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm really going back and forth because 
we talk a lot about, and we've talked a lot in the past about movies that are so bad that they're good and, and some movies that are just, you know, they have to be so bad that they're funny or so funny that they're bad. I don't remember exactly what the criteria was that we said, but they got to do something that either they have a memorable effects thing that makes you kind of enjoy it. They got to be so bad that the acting is funny because it's so like out of left field. Or there's got to be something story-wise, plot-wise that's so ridiculous that it almost turns into a comedy no matter what genre it is. I think that this movie really checks all those boxes. This is a really good, so bad it's good. I mean, I I didn't really enjoy watching this, but I laughed a lot. And just, you know, us talking this last hour or so about this movie, we just bring up so many things. This is the type of movie you could watch with your friend and afterwards refer to the movie you know, talk about talk about things that happened in it, make fun of something stupid that happened. I really am teetering on the fence because I think this is a, one of those so bad it's good that you have to watch, but I don't want to give it a high rating because it's not really a, an, any especially good movie. It's just so bad shit out there. So I think for that reason, I want to give it six hot dogs out of 11 rants pissing on cows. Don't ask me what that means. That just gets said in the movie and it's supposed to be like a joke. I don't know what that means, but... I think this deserves to go in like a hall of fame of so bad it's good, a movie that you sit around, you maybe have a couple drinks and watch this movie. It's just so ridiculous. It's just, I I honestly, after seeing this movie, want to see more Seagal movies at how ridiculous they've gotten since this has come out. Well, Crummy Movie March is fast approaching. That could be the crescendo, I suppose. For me, I, so we, we mentioned before on the hot dog scale, like, Anything that's kind of like in the four to six range is really not as bad as you would think. Like it's it's kind of got something there. I'm not going to go like this isn't the worst movie we've watched by any stretch. There's things in this that make it kind of humorous and worth watching. And if nothing else, I think it's pretty apparent just off the conversation that we had. Like it's pretty enjoyable talking shit about this movie afterwards, if nothing else. I'm not going to go quite as high as you did, uh, but I would give it a probably a solid five hot dogs out of six cannibals eating clowns. This whole movie is a fucking shit show from start to finish. Everything about it, you know, the effects suck. The acting is even worse. The writing kind of stellar, but also sucks. We talk about guys like Nick Cage and I'm spacing on other ones, but those, those actors that kind of embrace kind of what they are as far as being bad, action movie actors and although i don't think steven seagal really thinks he's a bad actor he probably thinks this is an oscar worthy performance this movie is everything that you would expect it to be in all its glory and that's kind of what makes it fun it's a shit show and you're kind of just there to watch the train crash and it delivers on that there's so many stupid things and it's just short enough that it's like all right well i only wasted an hour and a half on this let's go have another beer and kind of talk some shit it's fun I don't really have a whole lot to add on that, but yeah. So I got mad. It's about it's a five out of ten. That's not you said, terrible. You actually said five out of six. Did I? You said five out of six, brother. Five out. That's actually a pretty good rating. I can't count. It's just like all my gunshots. I can't count how many I had. That's why I never need to reload, man. Five out of six. Five out of ten. Whatever. Same thing. I can't even think of, per- of the percentage that would be five out of six. It's pretty good though. It is pretty good. It's got to be what close five, something like that. Math. We've said before we don't do math. Math is hard. Well, then we are going to wrap this up. That's all you got. That's all we're getting. That's the end. In the meantime, 
do what we usually tell you to like us, review us, uh, share this episode, share any of our episodes, listen to our back catalog, all that good shit. Follow us on all the social medias. We are at Dewey Pod Monster. This movie didn't get a response, unlike Megan or Me Freegan, but we will continue, or I will continue to put up whatever we're going to talk about next. We'll put it up a few days ahead of time and try to get some of your input on it if you want to have us include that in the show. We might do it either way. We'll see what happens. Sean, what do you got going say, on? comment on the Facebook post. Let us know what you think. If you've seen the movie, I know sometimes you haven't seen the movie ahead of time, but if you have, let us know what you think. In the meantime... You can find me on my YouTube channel. That's at youtube.drafttherapy.com. As John mentioned at the beginning, I am the expert, expert, authority, authority. on Michigan craft beer. You're the authority, man. Hey, I don't Brett, know I can't even get the phrasing right on my own title. But yeah, you can find me at youtube.drafttherapy.com. I talk about Michigan beer. I talk about Michigan breweries. You can find me on all the social medias networks, I guess, at drafttherapy.com. Drafttherapy.com. You can find me at Draft Therapy. We're really good at this social media stuff, Can't man. talk today, Bretta. All right, that's all we got. I'm probably going to sound like garbage tomorrow because of this, but it was worth it. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. I hate to laugh. Laughing's for fucking losers. By the way, I was kind of had something on before we started. Thank you for editing out all the slurping sounds of beverages between everything time one of us takes a sip of anything. Because I was what I was watching slash listening to every two seconds was <laughs> I was like stop I'm gonna kill you. So, so thank you for being very good at minimizing that as much as possible. I try.